I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Nothing will stop the Satanic total release. Bart, stop testing Satan. Welcome to the place where you're so sick of the question, why Satan? We named a podcast after it. Hello, everyone, and hail Satan. I want to say that, yes, I did take a week off because last week I was feeling like shit. The reason I was feeling like shit, because I feel like I owe you all explanations when I, for seemingly no reason, don't have an episode and I don't give too much of a heads up. But I had been planning on taking a vacation this year. I was going to put in all the work, do all the paperwork to go to Canada. To see my ba- my fiance, honestly, at this point, and I I knew I was not going to be leave be able to leave the house. I knew I had to do a bunch of paperwork. I had to do very particular things because that's what was on the website to go to Canada. And then when I'm filling everything out, I get a pop up that says, "Hey, before you fill this out, you you really need to read this." this section and say you agree to this so i did and what it told what it told me was that not just i needed those 14 days of quarantine that what i had to do was i had to spend the first three nights off the plane in a hotel a government approved hotel that would run me two thousand dollars i believe it was for those three nights that that's a lot of money even in Canadian, that, that's a lot of money. And I thought, okay, okay, this is, this is really shitty, but, but I can do this. I'm willing to pay. I've been saving up. I, I've been not ordering out. I've been not ordering anything. I've just been hunkered down. I'm willing to do it. Okay. And then I look up what else it wants me to do and what the rules on quarantine are. It tells me that I, I cannot quarantine in an apartment, which she, she lives in an apartment. So that would mean I'd have to find somewhere else to stay for 14 days. And because it didn't really tell me this on the, um, the f- page that I was looking at originally, and I did all this planning and thinking, luckily I didn't book any plane tickets because it told me not to until I got approved, I felt really really shitty and I didn't want to do anything because I felt horrible and then about a few days later I had to deal with some other bullshit that had me worried about other nonsense and it was about the same day that the podcast and I just couldn't do it because of everything I didn't really have much prepared I had wanted to do more of the introduction to romantic Satanism, but I didn't. And that's why there was no episode last week. So I, I figured that is a good explanation of just feeling completely and utterly horrible. But there is a show this week. And the first thing I'm going to talk about this week is why sometimes I can frankly be a bit of an ass. Then I got into a bit of a more fun topic. I talked D&D. And how it sets a really hard example for any non-deist god to follow. And why I think that it was good for that church, for its own sake, to label it as satanic. 
because you'll understand when I get into it. After that, I get really, really angry when I hear people saying horrible shit about people who make minimum wage and how lazy they are because they don't want to go to work. And I tell my own minimum wage job story, my really bad one when I was in high school. And finally, I tried to avoid the news this week and last week, but I couldn't. And I saw someone of the Law and Order Party calling for violence. And so I had to rant about it. And I did. So again, thank you all for, like, joining me. It always makes me feel better when I can talk to someone openly and candidly. Next week, hopefully, we will get back into introduction to romantic Satanism. Also, the other day, that made me really happy, I got the Devil's Deck that Shiva Honey made, along with Lucian Greaves and Alexander Corey. It's really cool, I like it, and I plan on definitely doing rituals with it. I'm probably going to repurpose all the cards by assigning my own meaning to them, because that's the type of thing I like to do. I'm definitely going to be incorporating them into little formal and informal rituals that I do. So that's cool. Maybe if I come up with some good ideas, I'll I'll mention them as well later on. But anyway, before I ramble too much, because you know I have a ramp. You know what? Before I get into that, I do want to say, as I was editing this show... This episode, as everyone knows, I do these introduction parts last. I had to do some editing on the first parts of each of my segments. Because every single segment I started off with, you know, and I dread going back into my other episodes because I want to know how much I've said you know. And you know, I'm going to try to stop. (laughs) So... And oh my god, my air conditioner is being so loud. Let me make it stop. Okay, there we go. Thank you. I need to get a new one. It gets so fucking loud. It's probably going to break soon. But anyway, before I rant anymore, I need to stop myself. Let's get on with the rest of the podcast, please. You know, sometimes people comment that I can be a bit harsh. And... They also ask why I bother going after people like Tucker Carlson. Someone I know said, hey, you know, being a bit of an asshole doesn't get people to listen to you. It won't cause them to change their mind. And to that I say, yeah, that's true. But it's not about changing anyone's mind. I've mentioned before why I do my rants, and part of it is I do it for myself. Uh, Partly for the entertainment because people have told me they enjoy it, and also partly because people tell me it makes them feel better sometimes. Now, it might sound weird, the idea that people might enjoy listening someone else go off on someone else or something else, and talk about how much of a monster someone is, how foolish they look, or how twisted their ideas are. One might think, what's the point? What does one get out of it? And one might also assume that it is the same feeling that I talked about before when someone we can't stand gets hurt or something happens to them. Like I said, I did a whole episode on that called When Bad Things Happen to Bad People. And, you know, maybe that might be part of it, but I don't think that's the whole reason. And that's certainly not the whole reason why I do it. I think part of it is, like I said, when Rush died, 
that people can look at someone who has caused them harm, if directly or indirectly, and see some consequences, whether it be dying of lung cancer or being ver- verbally ripped apart by some random person doing a podcast. Is this something that's likely going to cause people to change their mind? Like I said, no. It's probably not going to get these people to change their minds. But let's be honest. People like this, who I'm talking about, like Tucker Carlson or Rush Limbaugh or Matt Gates or Donald Trump, or I could go on and on and on. I could talk about like the myriad of uh, Ray Comfort and all the other lithiad of people who just condemn others and are just bigots. It's not going to change their mind. And like I said, it, it's not the point, but it might help the emotionally health of others. I know it helps me. Uh, ranting helps me. Like sometimes I'll be very angry and I use this podcast as an outlet. I will take an anger I'm feeling and I will rant and I'll try to do it in a comedic, amusing way. So it is not all rage and anger. It's also a big reason why, if you've seen me at all on uh, especially Twitter, that's where I'm the most visible doing it, because you all can't see me in life unless you guys have a camera on me, and then please stop. But <laughs> that's probably the place you've seen me doing it most, when I go off on someone who is in the middle of a bigoted argument against someone else. It's not that I think I'm going to change that big, bigoted person's mind, or I feel like I, I have the right opinion that needs to be voiced. No, it's sometimes I can look at an argument and I can tell that the person being targeted wants nothing to do with this conversation and is not sure to how to exit themselves. I, I've seen this before, and I've actually been thanked when I jump in. Because, let's face it, not everybody has all the same uh, talents. I do not have a talent for writing. My writing is not very good, which is why I do a podcast and not really much of a blog. Because correct grammar and stuff is not my forte. Me, however, I am pretty good with ignoring assholes who decide to argue with me. I am completely fine with being called names. Trust me, when I got when I grew up, I had enough of that. Uh, so I got very used to it. So I have pretty thick skin, and I don't mind interjecting myself into an argument and becoming the target. And honestly, me interjecting myself in the argument, there's no way, especially with my Twitter name, that I'm going to on Twitter, changing one's mind. One, you're not really going to change anyone's mind on Twitter 99% of the time. If you go into it expecting that, it's probably not going to happen, especially if you're not going into it civil. Two, my username is Why Satan. So they're going to look at a Satanist who's defending someone who they're already bigoted against, and that's, they're not going to listen to me. They're probably going to insult me. But in my view, I don't like seeing people attacked by bigots. And in my view, I value the emotional health of someone over the person who's an asshole, basically. I am not going to care about changing that person's mind. I want them to stop being a bully. I mean, if I could somehow magically change their mind, if I knew how, great, I would. But that's not the main reason I do it. But 
that's a lot of times when people see me being an asshole. It's why I'm being an asshole. It, it's not to humiliate someone. I'm, I'm not going into the argument going, I'm going to humiliate that bigot. Because I'm pretty sure bigots really can't be humiliated about stuff they're already bigoted about. Yes, th there are some people who are bigots who you might be able to humiliate. But I think that those people are unlikely to be bullied. I mean, yeah, those people are unlikely to be bullies in public. They're going to be bullies in private, which is a whole other thing. But yeah, it's people who are bullies in public. I'm not going to be able to humiliate them. I'm not going to change their mind. But if I can get them to go away and not bother someone, awesome. Or if I can make someone feel better because a bigot is being ranted at and yelled at and told to go shut the fuck up, awesome. As I said, I value the person's mental health who is a good person over the asshole. So if a tiny price for standing up for people is some calling me an asshole, well, call me an asshole. I really didn't live through the 80s. Well, I technically did. I was born in the mid-80s, but I don't really remember it very much. However, recently, I'm feeling more and more like I'm in the 80s. I'm seeing a resurgence of, a major resurgence of D&D, &D, which is awesome. I, I love D&D &D and other role-playing games. Currently, I'm running a vampire game, which is very fun. If you ever have a chance to run a vampire game with people you trust, it is fun. Make sure it's with people you trust, though. I am also seeing a resurgence in people talking about the satanic panic and people wondering if we're starting to have a return of a satanic panic. Now, I'm not too sure we're going to see one like we saw in the 80s or 90s, at least not around most of the country. I could see it being very regional. In Massachusetts, for example, where I live, I don't think we're going to see, to the extent, the satanic panic. However, in somewhere like Texas, or where a friend of mine lives, North Carolina, I could see something close to the original satanic panic. And thinking about D&D &D and thinking about the satanic panic, my mind obviously goes to thinking about D&D &D in the satanic panic. And I'm wondering why in the world would D&D, &D, of all things, be targeted by Christians as satanic? It, it wasn't a very well-known game. It, like, even in its heyday in the 80s, when, like, before the resurgence we had now, it wasn't insanely popular. Like, it, it was decently among the gaming community, but it wasn't mainstream by any means. And maybe that's why they went after it. It, it is possible. They, they do like to go after very small minorities, as we do know. And D&D seems tame compared to the other stuff they've gone after. But still, I, I was thinking about it for a while, as it seemed bizarre. And I, I thought about something interesting, that it's almost threatening to Christians. D&D is slightly threatening. And just, just the world of D&D can be a little threatening. I said this in a conversation with Rayla, and I mentioned, and when she asked, how is the D&D &D world uncomfortable to Christians? And I told her, 
that what we see in the world of D&D is what we'd expect to see if a world had gods, and even more so, what you'd see in a world where gods did anything. In the Bible, there's a passage that gets cited a lot. It states that wherever two or more gather, talking about Christians or uh, believers in Christ, and ask something of God in God's name, that those things God will do. Yet, we don't see that. We see things happening or not happening that studies have shown are just chance. We've actually seen, oddly enough, prayer works worse than chance for the most part. And in D&D, however, we, we see God's acting. We see them answering calls. We see clerics wielding magnificent power that you see in the Bible, and even to some point that puts the powers in the Bible to shame. But you would think that these type of abilities from priests who can call on God that were had in the old times of the Bible, you would think that Christians should have this power. Never mind summoning demons as a threat of D&D. The real threat that it posed to Christians is that it shows what a world with gods would actually look like. Gods and D&D don't suffer from the divine hiddenness problem. You can cast a spell and talk to your god. However, they also don't have the baggage of all the omnis. Like, uh, the gods of D&D don't know everything. They're not everywhere. They're not all-powerful. Which, frankly, if the Christian god did that, it would be a lot less problematic. And when a role-playing game makes more sense on a theological level than your religion, you better label it evil or demonic. And you might think I'm stretching it. You might think, okay, Josh, I, I see where you're going, but it seems a stretch that D&D could be a threat to someone's faith, and you're wrong. <laughs> I have a friend who started questioning his beliefs. Well, he was already questioning, but it pushed him more from playing D&D with my group. Well, one, we were a bunch of atheists, so he saw that we weren't horrible, evil people. Two, he actually had commented that these fictional gods at times felt more concrete to him than his own beliefs. Like... The dungeon master who was playing his god, communicating with him, he felt he got more out of that than communicating with his actual god. And I honestly believe that tabletop games in general, where you, where you take on a role, are just dangerous for any locked-in worldview. It, it has to put yourself into the shoes of a different person and maybe even get a faint idea of what doing things from another point of view might be. And for many Christians I grew up with, like, remember, I was a Christian. I went to Sunday school. I was like, I, my myself, I wasn't a big Catholic, but I was surrounded by big Catholics. And a lot of them just had a hard time putting their minds into a non-Christian point of view. And I'm not saying that... Playing D&D is going to change someone from being a Catholic. No, but I think it does help give tools. It, it gives tools of being able to look into the idea and thoughts of someone else. Because as I said, a, a lot of Christians don't 
and this is from experience, I didn't have this viewpoint either for a long time. I didn't have the ability to put myself in the place of a non-Christian. It just didn't happen. Like, it just didn't work. I couldn't do it. And so I think part of that is the threat. Why D&D is so satanic? Yes, it had demons and used magic and things, but and that could easily be labeled satanic, but I, I find most things that Christians label satanic are a threat to them in some way, and I, and I really believe that D&D made them feel uncomfortable in no small part due to this aspect, especially people who actually knew anything about D&D. Now, those who knew nothing about it, they were just following the satanic panic. The other, the other one I thought about when it comes to the satanic panic is music. And this one affected me a little bit. This one was one of my deconversions. And I think, again, music was targeted due to the fact it, it can make you feel ways that some Christian sects would like you to believe only the Holy Spirit can make you feel when it moves through you. Now, I will say some of the biggest emotions that I've ever felt in my life have been connected to music. Like, music is a big thing for me. It, there is a reason why some of my more expensive peripheries on my computer are my headphones. And the fact that if I even hear uh, some audio issues with my headphones and my phone... I will go get a new pair because I want good sound when it comes to music. Like podcasts, I'm okay with listening to like, where like one ear is a little weaker than the other. It doesn't bother me too much. But music, I, I need it just something emotional to me about music. And it, it's connecting to something and feeling that unexpected to feeling that brings something they wish they could claim domain over. I'm talking about music. I know someone who always talks about how they found it weird when they were a believer that they could go to a concert and feel the same way they did in church because they they were told that this feeling was the Holy Spirit just moving through them. And they were the believers, like their belief was... Anything of the world isn't really something you should be attaching yourself to. Like, their family was deep into the whole of the world and of the church. And culture is an ever-changing thing. And when you don't take part of it, it just seems bizarre. Like, it, it's, it's difficult to see a changing culture and watching it evolve when yours doesn't. Because... As a Christian, like, my, my culture didn't change. Like, the culture of the church didn't change. Whenever it did, there was, like, like a civil war over it. I remember hearing my grandfather talk about when, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it's, like, when, when the church changed its stance on a few things. So it was, like, almost a revolt. And a lot of Catholics, especially that I know, if, if you ask them about evolution, they will say that evolution is against their beliefs. However, if you ask the actual stance of the Catholic Church, they're okay with religion. And I think this is partly why you see a lot of theists 
and not really theists. You see a lot of uh, extreme fundamental theists pushing their culture war. And when I say fundamentalist theists, what I mean is those who would hold humanist progress back because they believe their holy book trumps it and calls for bigotry and nothing else than their holy book can be their point of morality or their point of view. They tend to lose on science. They lose on morals. They lose on fun. And so the only thing they can do to, to keep their members so they don't take part in this culture and experience the otherness out there and feel that it's not so bad is to call it satanic and shove this idea that it's evil in their face because other than that they they don't have a prayer so they need to turn to their favorite tactic their their fear tactic the fear of the demonic and satanic and i honestly believe that's what gets them so twisted up about satanists they honestly have no idea what to do to do about us they call me a Satanist, and that, that doesn't work. They say we aren't a real religion, but then they turn around and call atheism a religion. And if you call them on it, they, they don't know how to reply to that. And when you tell them that we're a religion, and then they say, well, you really don't worship Satan, that means we aren't to be feared. But they unknowingly say we work for Satan, and we have happy lives and we lead kind lives for the most part and that fucks with the narrative too honestly satanists short circuit the whole thing and i think it robs them of one of their number one weapons these fundamentalist theists have which is fear and they have no idea what to do about it which is why i honestly hope that perhaps the integration of satan and pop media like you see tv shows like lucifer and just different views of Satan that is either comical or funny or sexy. Maybe if there is a satanic panic, the good thing is it will look a lot more ridiculous this time around. We talked about the satanic panic, and now we're going to talk about the employment panic. I see a lot of people complaining how no one wants to work for them. And honestly, I think it's partly because people have been away from them due to the pandemic. And they're seeing how much of a toxic place working for those people was. Oddly enough, it seems to be mostly an issue for people who are legally allowed to be paid so much more than anyone else. It's kind of strange that you look at, like, fast food restaurants who pay their workers shit and they're not finding people to work for them. But the people who are complaining are making so much more money than their employees. And the funny thing is, all the complaining that, hey, if you pay people a livable wage on this business such and such, then they won't be hiring anymore because blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? McDonald's, give credit to McDonald's, actually increased their wage to a $15 minimum and they're getting a lot of job offers and people wonder why places are having a hard time finding people 
like the other day, my grandmother really wanted Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it's not my favorite place. It's really hit or miss. So I went to the place, and there's like one person working there. They are running the entire front themselves. They're talking to one person behind the counter, and maybe there's a third person in the back? And it it sounds like, I'm not sure, it sounds like there were three or four people in the entire place. I think three. And I felt really bad just, like, walking in and having them do anything, because they looked exhausted. When it was hot in there, like, the air conditioner was barely working, if it was working at all. And part of it might be that a lot of places don't turn on their air conditioner around here till a certain time of the year, and... When I went in there, it was unusually hot that day. It was like 93, and it normally is not this time of year, so it was fucking hot in there. And looking at those conditions, I wonder why no one wants to work there. And people who say that it's the unemployment funds that are the problem, and it's causing lazy people to turn away from working because they're being lazy and don't want to work. You know what? To me, that's like, kind of saying that we shouldn't have domestic abuse shelters because it might cause abused people to leave their abusers. And while domestic abuse is far more dangerous overall than an abusive workplace, it's no less of a problem. You can have things that are an unequal problem, but they're still both problems. And toxic work environments are a problem, especially when they're toxic and shit pay. And the biggest bullshit that I see is the idea that someone can just leave their job if they don't like it. Go find another one, which is the type of thing you expect to hear from people who have never really had to do that in their life before. When you work for an abusive place of work, you better hope that they don't find out that you're looking for a job before you actually find one, because they, they're they probably going to cut your hours, make your life miserable. And if you live in an at-will work state, they might just fire you and not give you a reason at all. Then the same people who rant about how horrible college is rant at people who say, well, these jobs aren't meant to be a job to provide yourself for. You need to go get a skill or go get an education in order to get a real job. And that's why we don't need to raise the minimum wage, because that's what you need to do. You need to get skills or you need to get an education. And... The fact that, like, these low-paying employers are wondering why they can't find people. It's not the unemployment money. It's not. It's just that people who have worked at shitty jobs their entire lives got a break from you because of the pandemic. And they don't want to go back because their lives are so much better due to them not feeling like shit. And it's likely that they found another job, not that they don't want to go back to work. A lot of people would like to go do something with their day. Maybe they found something they could do at home. Or maybe they found a better place that would actually treat them better and not like shit. As an example of a really shitty place to work, I'm going to tell you a story about why I quit my supermarket job when I was at the end of high school. So, I worked largely the floor. And when I mean the floor, I mean I cleaned up stuff. I cleaned up stuff that I probably shouldn't have been cleaning up as a high school student. 
I cleaned up the grossest shit I've ever seen anywhere. Like, I, there were times, like, when I would have to take my lunch break and I couldn't eat because I felt sick. Because people destroy bathrooms. And that was considered my job and my problem. And back then, I was working for, like, five-something an hour. And it was just a horrible shit job. Because, like, when it was slow, like, when it was really slow, they'd find something for me to do that wasn't even my job. It's like, it's slow. I cleaned everything Oh, good. You worked your ass off and you cleaned everything? Good. Go outside and help collect carts. Fuck you. Hire people to collect carts. I worked my ass off. I should get five minutes. But the thing that got me to quit was I remember this so vividly. I just cleaned up, spilled like seasoning out of like a bag. And it was a pain in the ass to clean up because it got everywhere it stuck to everything and it wouldn't get on the dustpan i had to use like paper and then i had to clean up milk that a gallon of milk fell and broke open and ask anyone who's done this it sucks because i don't know what it is about milk it's just a pain in the ass to clean up and sometimes we had that really cool sawdust stuff that would clump up liquids but if you use too much of it, you'd get in trouble. So a lot of us didn't use it. So we fucking had to use a mop to clean up milk. It was disgusting. The, the worst thing I've ever cleaned up is Moxie, because that shit smells horrible. A drink that my grandfather liked. Don't know why anyone would like it in their right fucking mind, but there you go. But back to why I quit. It was after this, after cleaning up this powder, after cleaning up the milk, and just dealing with customers who were yelling at me to get stuff done. And it was one guy who was standing there and telling me how to do my job. Like, you missed a spot over there. Yet, I know, I haven't gotten to that spot. And it was just like, I was done. And I was just about to go on my break. And I went, was walking to the thing. And I was going to punch out. And I hear my manager, this horrible woman who I still to this day cannot stand because she thought she was better than everyone else. And she calls me to the front. And so I have to walk to the front of the place feeling horrible since I've been yelled at. I've had to clean up shit nonstop that day. I think that was, I think this was like right before uh, Thanksgiving. So it was a fucking madhouse. And I get called up to the front where the cashiers are. And I look around, I'm like, all right, what's the emergency? What happened? And she points at her foot, and there's a few fucking lottery scratch tickets on the floor that someone had scratched and then ripped up and left them on the floor. She's standing right there. She calls me, who was just about to go on my fucking break. And she calls me all the way back. I could have been on my break. But she calls me, like, to come pick up scrap at her feet. I couldn't do it. I looked at her and said, no, I refuse. And I told her, I quit right now. I'm done. 
I don't need this. And I left. I went upstairs. I took my uniform off. I put it on the counter. And I just left. And she told me that they'd have to dock me for that day's pay. And I told her to go fuck herself. And I just left. Because I'm not doing... Like, if she had... Like, she could have just picked it up herself. But no. No. She needed someone else to do it. And one of the worst treated people in that entire place. And to this day, I still remember his look. I still remember his voice. Because he was an amazing person. I loved this man. He was so kind and wonderful. And he was definitely not here legally. His name was Hernando. And he was he was like in his 50s. Like his mid-50s at least. Maybe a little older. I was, I'm not sure. But he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And the amount of shit that they put this poor man through for like he was not getting money for the amount of crap that he put was put through he was also on floor and on janitory and cleaning up and they had him on carts for a while which did not last because that was something that even the rest some of the managers wouldn't do like they got angry but they treated this poor man just horribly and it hurt every time. And I was so happy. Like, I think it was like three weeks before I quit. When I learned he quit. Like, I was so happy. And that was part of the reason why I quit. Was this just this per- amazing person who, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing with the janitor shit. Because they asked me to do stuff that no one should be asking a fucking person in high school who has no idea what they're doing with that And you're dealing with machinery that probably isn't legal for me to actually deal with, like the box crushers, which is insanely fucking dangerous, but they wanted me to do it anyway. But he he helped me a lot, and I felt really good the fact he fucking left. But yes, that is my story about why I quit my supermarket job. And I will never regret it. I will never regret looking and seeing the look on her face of utter disbelief as I told her to go fuck herself. And when she told me that, well, we're not going to give a good, like, review or whatever, like, if someone, if you look for another job and you cite us as a, a source, it's like, you're a fucking supermarket. I'm going to college next year. I'm not going to cite you. And even if I did... What the fuck? But yeah, th- th- that is, that is, I get really angry about seeing workers abused and it makes me angry. And before I go on ranting too much longer, I'm going to leave that there because I could rant about this shit all day. Are you listening? Bring it in. Come on. Fuck these people. Fuck, fuck these people. people. Yes. You know, I have not been feeling the best these last two weeks. I've just felt emotionally drained, as I've mentioned before. And because of that, I haven't really looked at the news very much. I've mostly been playing games, doing stuff I have to do, relaxing, watching movies, chilling out, and just sort of like letting myself relax. However, one news story that I've heard come up over and over again 
this past week is Matt Gates saying that they need to use the Second Amendment against Silicon Valley. This is the same person who claims that Antifa is attacking people. This is the same person who talks about the violentness of the Black Lives Matter movement. But no, he has to say, well, we have to be America first, and these people are censoring us, and this is why, this is the reason why we have our Second Amendment. And this came after, I believe, in the same speech, when he said, well, we don't have the Second Amendment for hunting or defending ourselves for criminals. We have it too if we have to overthrow the government. It's like, yes, that, that is why it was originally put there. But, sir, you are a U.S. congressman who just went through the 6th, and you're now telling people, oh, no, no, no. You need to understand that when you go to oppose the government, y you need to use guns. The fuck? And it was a similar tweet to this saying that protesters were like terrorists and they needed to be hunted down, you know, with the guns because of Antifa. I mean, this at least got the tweet kicked off Twitter when he tweeted that. I mean, the, well, no, it, they didn't even remove it. They, they put a warning on it. So, you know, when we all said good for Twitter, finally getting rid of Trump. Uh, Twitter, fuck you. This guy is literally saying, go kill people. Fuck you. It, this man, I, I, I hate this man. <laughs> he, he, like, I don't hate many people, but I hate this man. And just, just a slime ball piece of shit. And he, he's even fucking blaming... Uh, I don't want to get too angry because I already got angry with the unemployment stuff. But like that was really the only piece of news that I saw. No, no. That, that wasn't the only piece of news I saw this week. The other piece of news that I saw, and it's also because other people are talking about it, is the fact that we have the last asshole president saying now to other people and feeding rumors that he is going to be reinstated in August. And this comes around the same time that Matt Gates is telling people that the Second Amendment is for moving against the government with guns, and this is the same time that Tucker Carlson has been saying that perhaps we actually need a real coup rather than the fake one that happened on June 6th. And yeah, no, this is a wonderful thing for a fucking former president to do. You know, they they all do this. They all say that, well, I'm going to be reinstated to people who have been known to be violent. Fucking Christ. I thought we were done with this guy. I Fuck how old is he? Can he die? Can Trump die already? I mean, for any NSA who's listening, not NSA, but if any Secret Service are listening, I, I mean of a heart attack, I'm not saying that anyone should cause him harm or anything like that. I'm just saying that if there is a God or, hey, Satan, if you could give this man a heart attack and shut him the fuck up from potentially causing any more harm, please do, because... As we've seen this year, his mouth can cause so much fucking problems and it just pisses me off. So yeah, th those are the two news stories that I happened to see when I'm trying to relax this week. And the reason why I saw them was not even because I was looking at news. 
It's because I was watching someone who was talking about movies on YouTube and they mentioned these things. Because I can't get a week or two without having my blood pressure go through the roof. Because that's me. I'm the Satanist who gets angry. <laughs> yeah. Because um, fuck. There are some other news stories that I stumbled on that I could get into. But I'm not going to. I need a break. I don't want to talk about these idiots anymore. Maybe next week. And hopefully next week, I'll get to the next part of Introduction to Romantic Satanism. And just thank you all for listening to my rants. Sometimes I need to do them. So once again, I'm going to say, this has been Why Satan and Hail Satan. At this point, I'm so bad at stopping myself from ranting, I'm basically just going to turn it into a joke about the show. I'm going to let myself start ranting sometimes and cut myself off. Because at this point, it's kind of funny, and I'm becoming known for it. 